Seraph, he growled. Yes, Malak's bat. Also brother to Saul. Kordok sneered. You're just a war criminal like your brother. He hissed and blew smoke from his nostrils. Malak struck his head out at Kordok with a quick snake-like motion. Kordok did not expect the strike and had no time to react or figure out how to maneuver to avoid the impact. Salafiel saw the dragon hit Kordok in a crash of fury. It sounded like a storm above him. Kordok, he said in an angry whisper. He brought forth his magic with a spark and ran while looking upward. Why, he asked himself, why did Kordok not listen to me? Derek's words, warning them about the feelings of a power and impetuousness that would come with being a dragon, echoed in his head. Derek knew what he was talking about, he thought. Salafiel shook his head and froze, looking down. The, da the ground dropped steeply off. If he had not stopped, he would have fallen several hundred feet. He could still see swift blurs of movement behind him, below him despite this. The echo of scale on scale reached him, and he couldn't help but look up. He followed the tree line, searching for something that would provide more height. Whatever was below him was a problem, but he knew he needed to help his brother. A sharp pain shot through his arm, an arrow lodged into his shoulder, fresh blood pouring from the wound. Sophiel hit the ground hard, gripping the arrow in agony. He let out a gasp of pain, then bit down hard. He fought not to cry out, even though his head was filled with his own yells. He flinched at the arrow's cold, stabbing pain. With a hard heave, he pulled out the arrow, letting out a yell despite his best efforts not to. He tried to muffle his own continual gasps of pain with his unharmed arm. He lay down, sword beside him, unsure where the arrow had come from. He heard voices below from the frequency he knew they were not human. With a deep breath, he opened his eyes and looked at the arrow that he had pulled from the arm, his arm. The arrow was silvered with a black stone from arrow, for an arrowhead. It looked like those found on the action after the attack. To Neem, he mouthed. Did you hit him? A shrill voice said a hundred feet away from him. Yes, I wounded his arm, a deeper voice responded. He lucked out because of my poor aim. You know it, he is to be brought in alive, the first voice responded. Alive? Well, now you tell me the first voice gave a horrible laugh. Salafiel gulped and remained still. The seraph will kill any who do not follow his orders, the shrill voice said vehemently. A seraph, Salafiel mouthed, knowing he had heard this name a long time ago during his studies as a young prince. I wish I had paid more attention, he thought, as he quietly tore a piece of cloth from the bottom of his shirt to tie around the wound. The cloth darkened with blood. It would do for the moment, however. He managed to crawl to a group of large trees and lay behind a rotting log. He heard heavy footsteps go by. He rose slowly, eyes scanning, making certain not to turn his head. Blood quickly drenched the makeshift bandage and trickled down his arm. The grotesque sight of the Tanins made him shiver, despite having dealt with them before. He could never quite shake the queasiness he felt around them. Kordok flew a half-circle and lashed his tail out at Malak's wings. Maneuvering past him, Malak spewed black fire into Kordok's eyes, blinding him. Kordok roared and clawed at his eyes. It felt like spears piercing deep into his skull. Unable to see, he began falling down to the ground. He felt the wind around him pick up as he descended. Kordok felt his body tense as Malak headbutted his side, making him lose his breath. He scratched at him with his back legs, attempting to push him away. His head snapped to the side as Malak's tail struck him, the temporary blindness fading. His mind raced as he tried to respond with his limited vision, striking out at random in an attempt to hit the other dragon. Excuse me. The smoky figure in front of him seemed to move irregularly, anticipating his attacks. The spear-like tail had drawn blood from him, and he felt himself losing control. Malak's jagged teeth ripped into his neck. Kordok felt blood in his mouth as he struggled for breath. He coughed and reached up with his legs and claws to remove the dragon's grip on his neck. Malak bore down harder, not allowing him any chance to free himself despite his best efforts. 
like a trap. The dragon's jaws clenched down and bored deeper into his neck. Kordok shook like an animal in the snare of his trap, unable to get away from Malak's binding hold. With each movement, teeth ripped further into him. The struggle was causing both dragons to descend. Taking a shallow breath, Kordok shot fire directly into Malak's wings. Malak released his grip, his teeth bloodied. His scales were burnt a black sooty color. Malak glided away from him, his face in a snarl. Forcing the fire from his wounded throat had hurt Kordok. He could feel the strain of it and how it had caused a lot of pain in his chest. The wound on his neck was so deep he felt only a slight relief at the release of pressure from the other dragon's jaws. I was foolish, he said to himself, more than his pride was wounded. He felt the burn of the wound in his neck as his vision flickered in and out. Malak chuckled, his white teeth stained red with Kordok's blood. Is this what your first time as a fight? Is this, excuse me, is this what your first time in a fight as a dragon? Kordok looked at him confused. He worked on breathing slowly so as not to aggravate his wounds further. It's apparent you're not fly as one who's mastered the craft. You're new, meaning you've only recently become Ashenborn. It is apparent as the sun is bright, he snarled, or by how dead you are going to be. A constant trickle of red was falling from his neck his neck wound, and Kordok could feel throbs of pain with each of his breaths he took. Kordok slowly flapped backward, putting distance between himself and the other dragon, but making sure not to put his back to him. You and your brother are exceptional, I'll give you that. The stones would have ch not have chosen you otherwise, Malak said, seeming impressed. Korok let the wind hold him in place as he tried to calm down, flapping his wings every so often to hold him in place. Malak, however, seemed to hang in the air as if strings were wrapped around him. Even with the wind, he didn't budge. How do you know this? He questioned. Malak smiled. Wave informants, you seriously believe that all lo were loyal to Archiris and that even after his death, everyone will remain loyal to us? There are those who serve us. There are those who are already fighting us. Or, Malak paused and shook his head. We're, we're fighting us, he corrected himself. After I kill you, I will kill it. find your brother, Murloc said, looking at Kordok. Kordok's eyes widened. Yes, he said, his expression intense. I know he's down there, somewhere. He fought the urge to look downward himself. He dove at Malak, fear for his brother overcoming his pain. Malak's eyes flashed with a blinding light, a strange magic shot into Kordok, making his magics convulse, muscles convulse. He was aware that Tassal had said the very same thing when he and his brother had faced him. He felt his breath leave him again, and he spiraled towards the ground. He panicked as he fought for control. This magic was more potent and more powerful than anything he had encountered before. The more he fell, the more hopeless he felt. The world around him was a blur, and his he closed his eyes in defeat. The smack of the branches jolted him, breaking his descent somewhat as he continued falling. He felt himself fall into the harsh cold water of the river with a loud splash. He sank like a ragdoll into the powerful current. Wave upon wave crashed over him. The cold children and his large muscles were numb. He felt his body begin to shrink as he saw a mixture of brown and red in the water. He panicked as he felt his consciousness leaving him. He resisted but had little effort left, little strength left. The cold of the water made him wonder if he was already dead. His body felt like an empty vessel. He finally let go as he felt the river sweep him away. All he could see were bright flecks of light as he was swept away. Panic filled him as the current pushed him further away from his brother. Slothiel's face, the last image he saw before his vision faded to black. No, Slothiel said as the giant blue form of his brother fell from the sky, out of his view, like a large falling star from the heavens. His blood pounded in his head. No, he felt outside of himself. No, no, no. He lay still, uncertain what to do. 
but waves of anger sent fresh fire into his veins. With his magic, he summoned an aura on his wounded arm. It was worth a shot, he thought to himself. He stood up fiercely and realized with a start that he was surrounded by twenty tanims. He felt his body shake as if he were suddenly made of liquid. The tanims turned from their search, assembling before him. There's no way I can take on this many at once, he thought, glancing back to the spot where Kordok had fallen. Not again. He could not help but think it would be great if he were able to change it to a dragon at this moment. He clenched his fist, gritting his teeth and concentrating. The vein in his forehead bulged. He imagined himself turning into a dragon. He envisioned wings sprouting, flames shooting from his mouth. He shook his head. Nothing. Despite his efforts, nothing. It would not come from just a thought right now. His brain was spinning. He knew he could not rely on transformation to help him. He had to come up with something, and quickly, the Gobletian. The river would not only put distance between the Tanims and himself, but it would also enable him to fight in the open. Half of the Tanims had bows trained upon him. Drop your sword's flesh, the voice said. It was Belial who stood behind him, his blade drawn. Belial looked agitated, his scar from their last encounter still fresh and raw. The line in Slothfield's eyes intensified, and he lifted his sword arm unsteadily. Belial looked as intimidating as ever, his jaw and... His clawed hand stretched out, sorry, ready for anything Slothgill could conjure. Your brother's dead. Malak smiled darkly. Malak is not one to show anyone mercy. Belial, Slothgill said, was as much hated as he could muster, trying to hide the shaking voice. Belial ground his teeth, dropped your weapon. Why the interest in me, Slothgill spot? Spat. I am but an Ill illegitimate prince to you creatures. Belial's eyes flickered. Elim is always looking for fragments. Even if that is all you're worth, you're worth something. So Elim is the seraph they're talking about, Slothiel thought. Slothiel glared at him, contemplating his next move. As if reading his mind, Belial's eyes gleamed. You won't live if you try anything. You narrowly escaped last time. Come quietly. Do us all a favor. With a kick from the ground, Slothiel cleared the distance between himself and Belial as a flurry of arrows whistled around him. Slothiel met blades with Belial and with a hard push from his aura arm, knocked Belial over in a crude tackle. He snarled and crumpled to the ground in surprise, but managed to hit Slothiel's leg, left leg with his curved weapon. He felt the pain in his shin, but knew it could, would not be enough to stop him at the moment as he stood and ran. After him, the creature reeled from behind him. Slothiel ran as quickly as his feet could carry him, stopping behind trees whenever arrows began pouring in. He knew he would be okay if he could get to his brother in time. He turned and let loose an aura of fire in a pursuing Tanim, and golden flames started to burn the underbrush. He felt his aura blink once and noticed a suspended arrow fall away from his neck as another thumped loudly into a nearby tree trunk. It would have been a mortal blow. Slothfield pushed himself despite his wounds and the difficult landscape. He felt his body tingle and the hairs on the back of his head stand on end. He had been in fights, but never like this. His limbs began to feel heavy and he knew he couldn't keep up this pace forever. He could tell the strain on his body was taking its toll. You've made a huge mistake, Bilal yelled at Slothiel. Faster, he yelled to the Nemes. Kill him. Slothiel burst out of the forest and hid within the roots of an upturned tree just as Bilal came into view. He was so close to the river, he could hear the water pounding on the rocks. Slothiel held his breath and released his magic, attempting to blend in with the leaves and soil. He steadied himself on the roots of the tree, breathing shallowly. Luckily for him, the roots had been dug up by some creature, leaving a large hole enough for him to squeeze in. He curled awkwardly into a ball. The Tanims stood in the sunlight flickering through the trees, making Slothiel shiver at their closeness. Blau growled an unearthly noise. He sounded like a wounded wolf intent on revenge. Blau made a violent gesture in the air. Spread out, he said. There's no way he made it far enough to get away. Not again. 
Slothio shook his thoughts on Kordok. Lord Belial said an ugly Tanim. He turned in agitation. Agitation, yes, he snapped. The Tanims pointed to something on the ground. Belial smirked, our prey is bleeding. I thought he had been cut. And this proves it, he said with satisfaction. Slothfield tensed, his eyes wide. Belial followed the trail of blood left by the wound on Slothfield's leg. Though faint, it was enough for Belial to track. Holding his breath, Slothfield saw the trail didn't lead to the tree, but stopped a few feet from it. Belial's black sockets reached the overturned tree, then turned away. Burn the forest, he said. I would rather not waste time searching. The trouble of bringing him is not worth it to me. With a loud thump, a figure landed in the middle of the themes, turning into a human in an instant. Malak. As a human, he was medium height, with black hair down to his shoulders and a full beard barely off his chin. So impatient, he hissed at Belial. Aline would not be so pleased with your words, he said. What are you looking for, he inquired, dusting himself off from the landing. You know who we're looking for, he said. He just evaded us, Belial said with a sneer. Malak snorted in amusement. Obviously, he laughed. I have handled Kordok, and you struggle with someone who isn't even Ashenborn yet. Belial look grim. He still has a fragment, even if he's not Ashenborn yet. Besides, you know we are not at full strength yet. Malak looked impatient. Alim instructed him to be brought alive, and the one with Alanis's blood be extinguished. Do not so brazenly disregard orders. Use whatever excuse you wish, but it still doesn't explain your lack of results. I do not see Kordok's body, nor his fragment, Bilal replied disrespectfully. Where are your results? Malak looked at him dangerously. You are overcome with impatience and you miss key details in your fuss, he glared. The prince's wounds that he will die from soon if he had not already. As Kordok is in the Goblishan, it can have him and his fragment. I'm not concerned with him. Uh, Liam will be interested to hear that, Bilal remarked in retort. Malak paused, then answered. As I said, Alim is not interested in him. It would be unwise to say more if your recovering mind can understand my meaning. The Tanin cocked his head to the side, a gratified smile on his face despite the threat. Do you wish me to continue to search? He said insolently. He rolled his eyes. He is under the fallen tree. Are you so blind? He pointed. Slothiel stopped breathing. Several unbecoming words flashed through his mind. I saw him when I landed, he said. A different perspective makes a huge difference. I would have expected better of a Veltris. Belial called his creatures and gave him a bitter look. You beasts prove your own ineptitude, he said. Malak said. A Tanim surrounded the tree, eyes white with magic. Belial lifted a palm. Slothy allowed his magic to surround him in preparation for the flames. Someone help me, he whispered as the dark crimson flames spewed from the Tanim's mouths surrounding him. A shrill ringing echoed in his ears. He felt the heat begin to singe him and cried out as a flaming coal burned his neck, turning it a bright red. He dove out of the burning trees and threw off the tunic he had been wearing, panting as flames consumed it. He drew within himself to a leash, more magic, but saw he was surrounded. Malak tilted his head back and folded his arms. Thank you for joining us, O oh Prince. We were close to turning your hiding spot into a pyre. Slothiel looked around like a cornered animal. I hear you met my brother Tassal. And of course, Belial, seeing as you were burn mark on your hand, Malak said, motioning towards Belial, the team's eyes flickered white. But it appears Belial has a burn of his own now. How nice, he said. A good exchange of gifts. Slothiel looked at him, bewildered as to why Malak was talking to him so simply. You killed Kordox. Slothiel's face was crimson with anger. He felt anger bubbling up within him. I will not speak to you as someone of value. Did I say kill? Sometimes I use harsher words than I really intend. Malak grinned at him. You have not angered me in particular. 
I will kill all of you. You will pay for what you've done, Slavica said through gritted teeth. No one is killing anyone today, Mok said, even if you thought you capable. You should have stayed in light prison, Slavica said. Then Kordak would be safe. As I told you, he is not dead. But if you must know, his land, this land could use fewer humans in it. Too many mouths to feed and too many mouths eating everything. I do find crowds deplorable. And here's your chance. Fight me now, Slothfield glared at him. Believe me, boy. You do not want that. I have another solution in mind, he chuckled. Listen to me. Because your only option is to cooperate with us, Sloth, Malak said, gesturing to the needled mouthed monsters behind him. Malal wanted to kill you. I'm showing you mercy. Why should I listen to anything you have to say? He asked. Because if you don't cooperate, I will find your brother in whatever state he is in and make sure there is nothing in creation that can save him. I will, for surely, for sure, kill him, for surely. Malak lifted an open hand to him. Or make him how you think he is dead. You choose his life or death. His blood would be on your hands, not mine. Slothiel suddenly froze, time seeming to stand still, and Malak's outstretched hand was Kordok's golden talon. It dangled from Malak's fingers, winking in the light of the dying flames. What do you want? He asked, tired, his body shaking with exhaustion. Surrender, and we will take you prisoner, and will not kill your foolish brother, whatever he whether he deserves it or not. He looked down, knowing he was trapped. How do I know he isn't already dead? I guess you don't know, but not knowing is better than having a guarantee of death. At the very least, you will have some shred of hope, he said with finality. I could use the power of the Ashen Board to find him, Slothka said, looking up. He was bluffing, but he hoped Malak didn't know that. You don't have that power. If you did, I imagine your brothers and my meeting would have been much more entertaining, he said with a strange gleam in his eyes. Slothfield's mind was racing. He sighed with frustration, realizing he was out of auctions. If I agree, will you make sure he lives? Yes, I will even let you go see your brother one last time, he said, his voice warm with false empathy. Slothfield's eyes teared up, and he released his magic, dropping his sword to the ground. Do what you will, then. Very noble of you, Malak said, twirling a strand of his long hair. The Tanim surrounded Salafiel and placed him in chains, removing his weapons and tying his hands painfully behind him. One Tanim jammed the hilt to the sword onto his side, making Salafiel cough roughly. Take him to the prison, he ordered. Salafiel looked at him, confused, his eyes watering from the blow. He looked over back at him. Our verbal contract, yes, Malak said, as he flicked his wrist. You may see your brother, and he may live on in whatever world is after death. Malak hit Slothiel on the back of his head, knocking him unconscious. Slothiel's head hung limply as he was dragged away. Our sources were right. They are indeed pretty foolish, Malak cackled. You will escort him to the prison of Elos, and I will be, and I will go and give to Saul the news to pass on to Elim, Malak said, changing his tone. Very well. What of the other? What? The armor, Malak said. To Saul still carries one, but the rest we have been able to locate as of yet. Malak shook, looked around the forest, a small smile on his lips. The pieces will reveal themselves with time. Is Lord Elin fully recovered? He is. He makes preparations to move on life's fail. End of chapter 7. Alright guys, thank you for listening. Uh, I didn't do a very long reading this time, mostly because uh, of Christmas and all that stuff, but I wanted to at least get a reading out. Uh, if you guys would like a copy of it yourselves, just go on to Amazon or really anywhere that sells books and just type in The Ashenborn. Um, T-H-E-A-S-H-E-N-B-O-R-N. And look for Matthew W. Finn. Um, thank you guys, and I appreciate your support. Have a good night.